Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Anyway, we're going to get right into the uh, thought for today. I had this thought come to me a few weeks ago, and I presented it to our team. I call it crime scene investigation. Um, has anybody noticed how obsessed our culture has become with murder mysteries? It's crazy. I mean, I remember as, as, a, as a kid in, in the innocent times playing the clue game. You know, Miss Scarlett usually did the, you know, killed the victim in the conservatory with a lead pipe for some reason, but the old fashioned whodunit, the Agatha Christie mysteries and the Poirot, you know, uh, murder on the Orient Express, all these things were around, but it's come a long way from Perry Mason or Matlock and Law and Order or all the CSI TV shows. They probably got CSI Bellevue by now, I think. But it's almost like something shifted to me when I started thinking about it. It's like something shifted during the O.J. Simpson trial in the 1990s. Dateline stopped being an NBC ripoff of 60 Minutes as a simply a news magazine program and became nonstop murder mysteries. Podcasts today. All the TV subscription services. Netflix has them. Hulu's got them. Apple TV plus, minus, etc. has got them, everything. But realizing this made me wonder about the ultimate homicide of human history because as a kid, I'll be honest with you, I grew up in church, but I didn't really understand why Jesus died. I didn't understand the whole process. I didn't understand the crucifixion, the whole suffering. And the question of my heart as a kid was who killed Jesus of Nazareth. Who killed him? So I want to look at the crime scene for a few moments today. In the truest account of the crime of Calvary, it's not what, what all history has written. It's what the Bible clearly lays out as the truth of God's word, as a list of possible suspects. So I've got a, a few suspects I want to look at with you today. And we're going to hopefully answer this question, who killed Jesus? And why did he die? First suspect, most of us, I think, would blame pretty quickly is Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, he was the treasurer of the group. He was the money guy. He was um, uh, apparently good with numbers. He was so good that he was actually extorting money and cash from the ministry till under a heavy cloak of religious piety. He was secretly greedy for money, but he hid there with Jesus and was right there among the 12. When a woman broke open a priceless jar of oil a week before Jesus went to the cross, Jesus dealt with Judas because this attitude came up and this woman went to express her love and thanks to Jesus and Judas had a public fit, calling it a waste of money that could have been used for the poor, but... He was gonna steal from it anyway. That's why he was upset. Jesus called him out and apparently embarrassed Judas, hurting his pride. From that moment, the devil began to fill his heart with offense, resentment, and betrayal. 
eventually, with a kiss of betrayal, Judas sold out Jesus for a price, 30 pieces of silver. He wound up not doing any time or anything else for his crime against God and man, but he actually took his own life because he felt so guilty for what he'd done. Was it Judas or maybe our second suspect was a group of suspects, the Roman soldiers. I mean, they, we have all kinds of evidence from the word of God, what they did. I mean, from the arrest of Jesus in the garden, these soldiers were beating Jesus with their hands, with their fists. They were slapping him. They were mocking him. They were whipping him with whips that had steel hooks on them that would rip open the flesh on his back and make him unrecognizable as a human being. They sarcastically crowned him with thorns and they spit in his face again and literally nailed his hands and feet to filthy pieces of wood in the shape of a cross. If that wasn't enough, as they continued their jeers, they gambled for his kingly purple robe and eventually thrust a spear into his side to make sure he was dead as blood and water spilled out. Oh, they definitely participated in the crime, but did they alone murder Jesus? Or was it our third suspect, Caiaphas? Caiaphas was a Jewish high priest that year. He and his father-in-law, Annas, a previous high priest, were concerned that if Jesus were to continue on with his miracles and healings, that the Roman government might think it's a terroristic plot and forcibly destroy Jerusalem to stop him. So they made a political calculation like so many politicians today. Caiaphas stated that he would be more to the people's advantage if, quote, one man died in the place of all. He didn't know what he said, but he gave a prophetic thought about what Jesus would do for all of the world. Caiaphas was a coward, would not even take responsibility. In fact, he cloaked it in legalisms and decided to play ping pong by sending Jesus back and forth with the Roman governor, who's our fourth suspect, Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate was the fifth governor of the Roman, Roman, Roman province of Judea. Um, now, you might think this is silly, but as a kid, as a church kid growing up, I, 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 thought, I thought the word pilot was like the pilot that flies your plane. I kept picturing, you know, this is your captain speaking, Captain Pontius here, I'm your pilot. Thank you for that underwhelming response. It was just a childhood thought, but... Part of his deal was that he refused. Listen, his wife had a dream. And in this dream, God told her, tell your husband that Jesus is innocent. Let him go. And she told her husband, but Pontius Pilate wouldn't even listen to his wife. Now that's, you better watch that one, guys. Because that's, that's you know, that's a tough one right there, Okay. Doesn't make him a murderer, but it does make him a fool. And all the women said, thank you. He did eventually proclaim Jesus to be innocent, but then he asked the crowd, thinking they would certainly choose between Jesus and a known insurrectionist and convicted murderer named Barabbas. There was this custom that during the Passover, the Roman governor would pardon one prisoner. 
And they put Jesus, he thought, well, certainly they'll, they'll pick Jesus. And as usual, even to this day, the agitators in the crowd convinced the people and stirred up the crowd to call for Jesus to be crucified and Barabbas to be released, even though he was a murderer. Even as he decided to please the people, <clears throat> pardon me, Pilate publicly washed his hands in the presence of all. And the Bible says he claimed his innocence and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. Typical politician, always trying to cover up the plot to the shameful decisions and pivot to something that looks better. Which leads me to our fifth suspect. You may have heard of him, uh, another disciple of Jesus named Simon Peter. Now, though he didn't betray Jesus in the same way, he did betray him to the depths of something, especially being a leader. This guy, Simon Peter, was a fisherman. He had a tendency to speak before he actually thought things through. And he started as this fisherman, but in this process, Peter pledged his life and his loyalty to Jesus only the night before. At the Last Supper, Peter swore, I, I, I'm with you. I will never, I'll never betray you. I'll never back away from you. But after Jesus' arrest, Peter opened his foul mouth and swore repeatedly that he didn't even know the Lord to try to get away and get out of trouble. He went up back in Galilee, running back to his past, the familiar life and failure he'd experienced. Miraculously, Peter was restored and became chief spokesman of the early church. Our sixth suspect is certainly involved, Satan himself, the serpent, the devil, the deceiver, the accuser. The problem is this, there was an old school comedian when I was growing up named Flip Wilson, whose tagline was, the devil made me do it. And it sounded real popular. We go, yeah, just blame the devil. Just blame the devil. But I'm telling you, God uses people, so does the enemy. And the enemy of your soul would love to get in there and, 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 and bring all kinds of accusation and deception. Certainly wherever death and destruction exists, the devil is certainly involved somewhere. But we can't just blame him alone for this injustice against Jesus. Finally, the final suspect, the people. The people of that day, maybe. The crowds are whipped up into a dangerous mob frenzy by the religious agitators crying out, crucify him, crucify him. Certainly, they were involved somehow. And what about these mystery people in our file? Who are they? See, here's the truth that I didn't know till I was 19, even being raised in church all my life. The truth is the mystery people that killed Jesus is us, you and me. You might argue as I did as a young man, well, I've never murdered anybody. I wasn't even born yet. I didn't consent to the killing of Jesus. And while you may be technically correct, the word of God says, that if you're guilty of one sin, you're guilty of all sin. The fact is we each stand in our own humanity as sinners guilty before God. 
born into a fallen world. Romans 3.23 in the scripture says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, like most people in America, even Christians, as a young man, I used to believe that I was a really good person. Even though I had junk in my life like anybody did, I compared myself with other people. And I never compared myself with the standard of God. And I used to believe that I was automatically a Christian because I went to church and I did more good things than I did bad things. And I was trying after all, I have good intentions. But think about it. Everyone has lied at some point, even if it's just to be nice. Cheated, entertained evil thoughts. We were all born into a fallen world with a sinful nature and therefore have participated in some way in the conspiracy to kill Jesus. I was taught in Bible school years ago that there are sins of commission, things you do that make you guilty. But for those who lived as close to the line as they could and lived almost a perfect life, there are sins of omission. Things that God said he wanted you to do that you didn't do. Equally, finding yourself falling short. But here's the great news. Once you realize you're lost, and I might add only then, only then, only once you realize you're lost, can you become truly found? We call it being born again. My friends, the only people who get saved are those who acknowledge their need for a savior. Now, in case you hadn't noticed the last couple of years, because a lot of people have said, well, salvation, saving, what, what are we saved from? Huh. There's a whole lot going on we need salvation from right now. The only people who get saved, those who acknowledge their need for a savior. One man said, sin is simply loving things and using people instead of loving people and using things. And aren't we all guilty there sometimes? Jesus didn't die on an excruciating cross to condemn you or me, even though we're guilty. He did it to become our substitute and to take all the punishment that we deserved upon himself. God's holiness demands justice and justice demands punishment. Jesus took our punishment. Romans 3.25 said this way, God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world to clear that world of sin. Having faith in him sets us in the clear. God decided on this course of action in full view of the public to set the world in the clear with himself through the sacrifice of Jesus, finally taking care of the sins that he had so patiently endured. And the best news of all, Easter is about resurrection power. You see, my friend, <clears throat> it's not about just the story of Jesus' death and murder on the cross. He didn't stay in the grave as we've been singing about. Easter is about resurrection power. He descended into hell itself and took back the keys of death and hell and torment 
and rose from the dead. And now Jesus is alive. And he's here. The best news of all, his grace and mercy are moving in this room. Mercy is falling, falling, yeah. Lift up your hands, receive it now. Here in the presence of the Lord, mercy is falling, falling, yeah. So lift up our hands, receive it now. Here in the presence of the Lord, and I know your past is broken. You can move on, it's over now. Here in the presence of the Lord, I, I know your past is broken. You can move on. What a God we have, and how fortunate we are to have him, this father of our master, Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and everything to live for, including a future in heaven, and the future starts now. My friends, there's only one man who loved you enough to die for you, only one name that can save you from the depravity of this crazy world we live in. Acts 4 says, nor is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name given among men by which we must be saved, but by the name of Jesus. I wanna pray for you before we go. We'll be out there in a few minutes and be able to see the kids finishing up a great time. 
But you can have a great time on Easter Sunday and still be lost and still stay broken because you wouldn't do one thing, receive a free gift. The free gift of salvation is just that. Jesus paid the price and then gives you the opportunity to know him in a real way, to be cleansed, to be forgiven. But like any gift, if you let it fall on the ground, nothing's gonna happen. With this gift as in any other, you have to take it and receive it unto yourself and open it up and see what's inside. That's what church life is about. We wanna help you to grow in making that decision. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is simply admit when you've been wrong, when you've blown it, when you've messed up. Would you bow your head and close your eyes just for another moment as we pray. Father God, would you show forth your resurrection power today? In this place, we believe for the greatest miracle to happen, greater than healing from cancer, greater, greater than being set free from demonic power. The greatest miracle is that someone can come into a place dead on the inside, dead in their sin, broken and lost. And yet through prayer, access the very throne of grace and that presence of God that mercy that's falling right now. Holy Spirit, would you reveal yourself to everyone in this place, everyone in this room, everyone connecting with us in our online campus right now. Would you let the Lord deal with your heart right now, wherever you are? Nobody has lived a perfect life. Nobody has been good enough in their own righteousness to earn the way to God, except for Jesus himself. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, just for a moment, maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I need God in my life. I, I want this. I, maybe you're here and you knew the Lord at one point, but life happened and you got sidetracked and you fell away. This is your moment to come home, prodigal. This is your moment to come home. This is your moment to to acknowledge him and your need for Jesus, not as a one-time prayer, but as a one-time beginning of a relationship that continues on and on and on. Yeah. Yeah. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? All I want you to do is one thing. I'm not gonna embarrass anybody here, but right now, wherever you are, watching us or in this room or somewhere in this building, I want you to, if you say, I wanna be in on that prayer, I need God in my life, I really see it now. I understand something I didn't know before. If that's you, would you do something right now by faith? Would you put your hand up in the air and say, I need God in my life. I wanna know Jesus. Put your hand up in the air and keep it up. Put your hand up in the air and keep it up. This is the moment where some people say to me after church, I wish I'd have done something, Pastor. It was for me. I felt something, but I didn't do anything. Right now, this is your moment. I wanna pray for you. 
Father, would you minister to every person whose hand is raised, every person whose heart is open, and bring that shift that they need. Bring that change. Reveal Jesus to them, to us, and through them, and through us to others. If you had your hand up right there, would you pray this with me out loud? Just right where you're seated. Just say, Jesus. In fact, everybody in the church, pray with them that you want to pray. No, pray with them. Pray out loud with them. Just say, Jesus. Jesus. Come into my life. Come into my life. I need your mercy. I need your mercy. I have messed up. I have messed up. I didn't know know that I was in in so much trouble. So much trouble. But I realize now that I need you. you. Come into my heart. Forgive my sin and change me from the inside out. I want to be born again. I want a fresh start. I want to start new today. And I give you my life in Jesus' name. Amen. If you meant that prayer, God is going to meet you right where you are and touch your life. We want to help you to grow. In a few weeks, we're going to have a water baptism service here, probably on a Wednesday night. We'll set that date. You can watch us online. You can look at our website and find out when that's going to be. But we'd love for you to be here. Take our three-week challenge. Come the next couple weeks. We've got a lot happening around here. We want to help you grow. If you prayed that prayer today, let somebody know. The Bible says, You have to confess it. You have to tell somebody to make it genuine, to make it real. You just need to say to somebody, I prayed. I prayed with that pastor a few minutes ago. If you'll do that, that begins to connect that whole thought that happened. It begins to take root in your heart in a brand new way. We love you so much, and we're so glad that you're here. Would you put your hands together for Jesus, the Savior of the world, for he is risen. He's risen indeed. Come on and praise Him. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.